Would you grab your Bibles or your iPad or whatever you've got the Word of God on this morning and go to the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter. And as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses that are joining with us. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm glad you're with us today. I'm thankful for what God's already done there in your local campus. We are one church meeting in multiple locations. And I'm excited that every time I hear the good things that's taking place. So get ready to receive today from the Word of God. The book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, is the setting of Scripture that we began a few weeks ago talking to you about the Lord's Prayer. If, if we were to take a census or a poll and ask people, do you believe that God wants you to pray, I don't think that there's any Christian who would say, no, I don't think God wants me to pray. In fact, I think most Christians would say, you know what, prayer should be a priority in the life of every believer. But here's what I also know. I've been doing this for a long time. And what I know is this, is that we find so many Christians who believe in prayer, but who aren't praying very much. And so we began a few weeks ago talking to you about how that we go about praying. And, we, and we're using the setting here in the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, as kind of the, the basis for learning how to pray. The disciples, the Bible said, came to Jesus here in the book of Matthew, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus gave us the prayer, and we can all say it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. And forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, we all know that. We've all said that. And we kind of think, well, if I just recite that, then that's wonderful. But Jesus wasn't giving us something to recite. Jesus was giving us a, a teaching that each and every part of this we break down and that we look at it and it gives us something to pray about. The first part of the prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We talked in the first week about how that we are to come before the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Word of God says that we were redeemed not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the what? Precious blood of Jesus. And so we're to come before God through the name of Jesus Christ, through the blood, and say, Lord, we are thankful today. We are privileged today to be able to come to your throne. And then it says, hallow the name of the Lord. And we talked about how in the Old Testament there are eight compound names of God, and they all begin with Jehovah. Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Makedesh, which means sanctification and righteousness. Uh, Jehovah Shammah, which means the God who is there. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God my provider. And we went through each of those showing us how that you and I can approach the throne of God and hallow His name in our time of prayer. And I want to tell you, you, you can spend... 10 or 15 minutes just hallowing or setting aside or praising the name of the Lord. And then it goes out of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then it goes into thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week we talked about that, how that you and I are to establish God's kingdom. We establish God's kingdom in ourselves. We establish God's kingdom in our family. We establish God's kingdom in the church body that we are a part of. And then lastly, we establish God's kingdom in the nation 
and in the world. And so that's what we have gotten to so far. Today, I want to move a little bit further. In fact, today I'm going to give you a couple of parts of this together because if not, this series is going to last, you know, to the millennium. So I'm going to have to kind of start putting things together. So uh, w- would you look there in the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, and uh, verse 11 says, And give us this day our what? Daily bread. And then verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, I'm going to talk about both of those aspects today, about how that we're praying. We've already hallowed the name of the Lord. We've already asked that the kingdom of God is established inside of us. And now today, here's what we're going to talk about first of all. How do we pray in what we need? Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you this morning have some needs? The rest of you are dead. I mean, I want to tell you, as long as I'm living, I've got some needs. There, there are things in my life that I need. And, and here's what's interesting. I, I've, I come across people, have you met people who are just so spiritual, they're just weird? Do you all know anybody like that? It's like, I don't worry about anything. Well, I know the Bible says don't worry about anything, but I have yet to find somebody who doesn't worry about anything. Well, I, you know, I, I, I know God has, has it all under control. I understand that too. But you know what I know is that the Word of God says that I am to pray. I am to take time to pray over my daily needs. I'm to pray over the great big things that I need today, and I'm to pray over those seemingly insignificant things that are in my life. And so how do I pray in those needs? Now, a lot of times people get nervous when you talk about finances. They say, oh, you know, I'm I'm too holy to talk about finances. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and he did about hell combined. He taught more about finances than he did about just about anything else during his ministry. So I want to tell you, he is concerned about your finances and he is concerned about how you live daily. So we're going to talk today about how that we go about praying in what we need. If God is concerned, how do I go about doing that? First of all, the first thing you've got to determine uh, if you're going to pray in what you need is, number one, is you've got to be in the will of God. Now, I hope you're writing this down because it will help you as you pray over the next few weeks, that you have to determine, am I in God's will? Now, I do not believe that there's three wills of God, the good, the acceptable, and the perfect right? It's taught all the time. Well, you know, there's the good will. You know, the Bible talks about the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So there's three wills of God. Let me help you. God's not schizophrenic. God doesn't have, well, it's an okay will, and this one's a better will, and then, wow, you finally got there. No, let me help you. You are either in the will of God, or you're out of the will of God. There's not. That, That good, acceptable, and perfect are descriptive words to tell us about one will. And so I've got to determine, am I in the will of God? So how do I go about knowing if I'm in the will of God? Let me give you some things today real quickly. First of all is, are you consistently in the Word of God? If you aren't consistently reading God's Word, spending time in study, uh, bringing the Word of God into your life daily, then I, I just wonder if you're really in the will of God. Are you praying daily? Isn't it interesting how many people don't talk to God all week long and then show up on Sunday and go, oh, God, could you help me out of this mess? I mean, really? 
Am I in the will of God or am I out of the will of God? And if I'm in the will of God, I'm communicating with God, I'm reading His Word, I'm spending time there uh, on a daily basis. It's interesting to note how many people struggle with this. We, we have this problem of daily spending time with God. But we can spend time with TV, we can spend time with the Internet, we can spend time with the newspaper, we can spend time with our best friend, but when it... Wow. It gets quiet in the house, so I just talk to the campuses. R really. We, 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 can, we have to... Well, I don't have time. Oh, yes, you do. you got time for everything else. See, you've got to come. Do you really want God to bless you? Do you really want to live in obedience to God? And if you do, you're going to spend time in His Word, and you're going to spend time in prayer and communication with Him. Also, another part of that is, is that you need to know, Lord, am I planted in a local house? Th these cosmic Christians bother me. Do you have a church home? Oh, no, I'm just part of the cosmic body of Christ. Listen, when you study Scripture, the Scripture is always about the local church. To the church at Corinth, to the church at Philippi, to the church. I mean, it's always to a local house. And it's important that you are part of a local house and that you are contributing and functioning and a healthy part of that local body. God has called you to do that. And so each of us need to say, am I being the kind of person that God wants me to be. Am I praying? Am I reading the Word? Am I spending time in God's Word daily? And am I a part of a local body of believers that, I, that I'm part of in contributing my life to and functioning in? And then in that whole thing, you're going to love this. Are you ready? Examine your work habits. I knew you'd shout. Somebody get up and run around the church on that one, won't they? Isn't it interesting? Have you ever met these people who are living by faith? Where do you work at? Oh, I, I'm living by faith. My problem with those people is, is that they're living by faith off of all the rest of us that are working for a living. Their faith is always, I'm believing you're going to give me something. Right? Listen, if you're living by faith, God bless you. Just live on, but don't be coming to me. Because I know how to get up early and I know how to work late. Amen? I, I'm, wow, is this, is this new theology? See, the, the Bible says a laborer is worthy of his hire. In other words, that, that if you get, li listen, uh, let me just help you. Let me help, let me help every employer for a second. If, if you're working for somebody, you ought to give them what they're asking of you. Don't, don't be having somebody else clock you in late or early or sideways. No, no, no. You, you do what you're supposed to do. You be obedient. Well, well, it's just 15 minutes and nobody... Whoa, 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 wait a minute. The Bible says when you work, work not as unto the man, but as unto God. So you got to examine... In fact, let me give you one more and I'll get off of this because it's way too convicting. The Bible says that if a person doesn't work, they don't need to be eating. I won't even get into that because I'll get politically incorrect real quick. All right? So we got to understand that. The other thing that we have to look at is that we have to also examine our giving. Uh-oh. I just went from talking to you to meddling. See, are we obeying the Lord in our tithes and our offerings and, and bringing things into the storehouse the way God said to? Now, I know that any time a pastor talks about finances, 
It's always misconstrued. It's always taken and out of context. But I want to tell you, it's important. If I want to have God provide for me, if I want to say, Lord, today I have these needs and I need you to meet them, then I've got to be a person who is being obedient to what the Word of God says. A while back, I did a, a sermon on honoring the Lord. And I thought there were going to be all these scriptures about honoring the Lord. And what I found out is, is that there are scriptures about honor in a lot of ways. But when you come to the understanding of what it means to honor the Lord, there are two scriptures, and I want to read. One of them is out of the Old Testament. One's out of the New Testament. So it's balanced. Let me read it to you. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor, here's how I honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your what? Wealth. And with the first fruit of all your crops. And verse 10 says, and then he'll, he'll fill your barns and your vats will overflow. 2 Corinthians 8, 19 is the other place it talks about honoring the Lord. And the Apostle Paul says, what is more, he has chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering. He's, he's bringing an offering to a church, which we administer in order to, watch, honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. Scripture says, are you ready? If you really honor the Lord, it's going to be through your finances. Hallelujah. Amen. This sermon's really going to be rough, isn't it? So that's, I've, I've got to decide that. Not only do I have to decide that, secondly in this is that if, if I'm going to receive from the Lord, I've got to believe that it's God's will to prosper me. Now, how do I find out if it's God's will to prosper me? I have to know what the Word of God says. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. That's the Word of God. David said, I was young and now I am old and I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That means God wants to take care of his children. That God, and there are, there are a number of them, I don't have time to go through all the scriptures where we know that God says, I want to bless you, I want to take care of you. The scripture says that he has given unto us everything that pertains to life, that would be finances, to life and godliness. God wants to bless us. And so I've got to settle that. So how do I settle that? I memorize the scripture. I meditate upon the word of God until it gets down inside of me and so that I know that God's will is to prosper me. If you come up to me and you say, do you believe God wants you broke? I'm going to tell you no. Well, God's using this to teach me a lesson. Well, use something else. Amen. Come on. The Bible says this, watch this, John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, what's the second one? Steal and destroy. Jesus said, but I am come that you will have life in it more abundantly. How else do I receive from the Lord? The third thing is you've got to be specific. You've got to be specific in what you're asking. Listen, if, if you've got a light bill that's $293.28, don't just say, Lord, I need to be blessed. Why? Because when you study Scripture, it's according to, to who you read, but there's somewhere between eight to 12,000 promises in the Bible. So you show up and you say, Lord, I want to be blessed. And the Lord says, be blessed, but be broke. Well, I, I don't believe that. How many of you remember the story in Scripture about a guy called Blind Bartimaeus? How many of you know what was wrong with Bartimaeus? Y'all are quick. He's blind. 
I won't go through the whole story, but they finally get him to Jesus. Everybody in the crowd knows he's blind. Everybody knows what's wrong with him. But watch what Jesus does. Jesus said, what is it that you would have me to do? If that had been most of us, we said, Lord, could you just bless me? And he laid hands on us. We'd laid on the floor for a while, and we'd went home still blind. You know what Bartimaeus said? Lord, that I might see. Let me see. You've got to be specific about what you want in your life. When you are praying and you've got that light bill or you've got that situation, you need to be specific about it. And let me say this and I'll move on. Decide to pray and not worry. I wonder what would happen if we would spend half the time praying that we spend worrying about all this stuff. I'm I'm going to learn to pray. I'm going to learn to seek the Lord. I'm going to learn to know what it is that God says for my life. And then lastly, if I want to receive from God, then I've got to be tenacious. I've just got to hang on. I can't quit. Listen, if I pray for it once and I don't get it, I'm praying again. There are things that I've been praying for for 15 and 20 years. You say, well, why don't you give up? Because I believe God told me they were mine. I just haven't seen them yet. They just haven't come into manifestation yet. They're mine. They're already in the spirit world. I just haven't somehow got them down into the natural. But I'm not going to quit asking. People say, well, if you really had faith, you'd only ask once. Would you find that from me in Scripture? The Scripture says that the widow kept going back to the judge and saying, avenge me of mine adversaries. Avenge me of mine adversaries. And the Scripture says that the man, the judge, said, I don't fear God nor man, but because of her continual coming. I'm going to grant her her petition. And then it goes on, how much more will your heavenly Father? The Scripture says, ask, seek, and knock. And those words are continual. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And the door will be open for you. I want to tell you, I'm going to hang on. I'm going to be tenacious about what it is that I need in my life, and I'm not going to believe that everybody else is going to have it. I'm going to repossess the ground that the enemy has stolen from me, and I'm going to say, you don't have a right to buy stuff. In fact, the Scripture says when the thief is caught, he's got to restore sevenfold that which he has stolen from my life. And so I'm just going to keep on believing I'm going to keep on trusting that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, my provider. I am not going to quit. I'm not going to back up. I'm going to believe for that. And so that's how you pray in, and you just spend time there, and you're just praying. You're just, you're just confessing those things. You're just spending time in prayer. And sometimes that's three minutes or five minutes, and sometimes that's 20 or 30 minutes until you know, here's that old word again, until you know that you've prayed through, that you've touched God, and that it's happened on your behalf. And then he said, uh, forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors now let me ask a question how many of you somewhere in your life you've needed to forgive somebody you may be sitting next to them see forgiveness is something that each and every one of us struggle with now, some of us do it quicker than others, but each of us have to deal with it. And so the Bible says that you've got to forgive. Now, what, what do we do first of all? When I come to this part of the prayer, the first thing I want to do is deal with my sin. You say, you're the preacher. you got sin. Yeah, and they're none of your business. <laughs> so don't come asking for a list. Because you might be right at the top. I don't know. Okay? 
So, and, and you just spend time there. And it's interesting. The, the Bible says that you need to confess your sin. You know, what the, you know what the word confess means? The word confess means to say the same thing as God says. You know, we love to say, oh, Lord, i got this problem. Oh, Lord, I've, I've got this addiction. Oh, Lord, I've got this. Why don't we just go ahead and say what God says? Lord, i got trouble with lust and pornography. I'm an adulterer. It's got quiet, didn't it? Lord, I don't have trouble with the truth. I'm a liar. I didn't get quiet in the church house. You know what? If you will say the same thing God says about your sin, it'll kind of suck the air out of the room just like it did when I said that. It's kind of like all of a sudden, whoa, I didn't know it was that big a deal. But now that I'm saying, and, and so, and it's interesting how we pretend that God doesn't already know. If I just say problems, he'll, no, he knows the problem. Just go ahead and deal, just tell him. Now, don't tell everybody else, they'll talk about you. <laughs> just tell God, deal with it. And, and let me say this about once you've dealt with it, don't allow condemnation to rule in your life. Amen. The Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Well, when I'm walking after the Spirit, that means I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit and I'm, I'm just having... No, that means that you've left the old life and you've entered the new life. Remember what Jesus said in Nicodemus? You must be born Again, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Once you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, you are not walking after the flesh. You are walking after the Spirit. So don't allow condemnation. Once you've done, if you confess your sins, the Bible says, God is just and faithful to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, some of us need to also remember what Jesus said to the woman taken in adultery. Neither do I condemn thee. Hey, go and sin no more. All right? Don't use grace as license. The Apostle Paul said, Shall we continue in sin, in the book of Romans, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? So deal with the sin, okay? Then, now watch this. Are you ready? Because this one's going to be tough. I've got to forgive as often as I want to be forgiven. If I were to take a few moments, there, there are some of you who have experienced horrendous things in your life. You've gone through abuse. You've gone through all kinds of things. And because of that, there, there's a backlog in your life of resentment and bitterness and anger. And you know what? In the, in the justification of it, you've got every right to feel that way. Didn't think you'd hear a preacher say that, did you? If you want to look at the right to feel, you've got the right. You were, you were done wrong. You were treated wrong. You had things happen to you that nobody ought to experience. But I want to tell you, Jesus Christ forgave you of putting him on a cross. It was our sins that placed him there and as he hung suspended between heaven and earth, he said this, Father, forgive them, not just those around him, forgive them, that's us, for they don't know what they do.
my sin placed him on the cross. So what I've got to do is I've got to, watch this, here's what you've got to understand. Forgiveness is not a feeling. If I only forgave people I felt like forgiving, the list might be short. Now, I, I want to tell you, I, I'm not the, I really am not a guy who carries grudges. I, I'm, I'm the guy who blows up and it's over. All right, don't raise your hand. Any of you like that? I mean, you, boom, it's over. Let's, uh, the, the first year or two Sherry and I were married, uh, she stayed in tears about two-thirds of the time because I'd blow up about it. See, Sherry, Sherry comes from a real, well, they're just nice people. <laughs> My family was a little bit more rambunctious, and, and, uh, and Sherry didn't know about raising her voice. Now, she's learned. <laughs> In fact, she's gotten pretty hard-hearted. But anyway, uh, but, but the, the whole process is, is I'd, you know, I'd, fly off and say 14 things. I probably shouldn't have said any of them. And I'd walk back in in five minutes and say, hey, you want to go eat? And she's sitting there in a puddle of tears. I was over it. I'm ready to go, man. Let's, let's go do our stuff. Uh, that's the way I am. Now, some of you are not that way. Some of you, if we look at you wrong for three months, you right? But whatever your temperament is, is you need to learn to forgive. Why? Hear me carefully. Forgiveness is the greatest thing you can do for yourself. I want to tell you, the people you're holding unforgiveness against, most of them don't even know it. And a lot of them, if they did know it, they'd be thrilled that they had that much control in your life. Just let it go. Just release it. You say, how do I do that? By an act of your will. By, by just saying, Lord... Today, I release this. You know, the first time or two you release that person, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound so hypocritical. You're going to go, I release them, and you go, I hate their guts. <laughs> I forgive them, God. I hope they die tomorrow. <laughs> Lord, I just, I just bless them today. God hit them in the head with a two-by-four. <laughs> right? I mean, it... it some of y'all are way too religious. I really, it's, but as you do that, the Bible says that the Lord becomes strong in our weakness. And as you do that, you begin to really release them. And you know what? It will help you to move on in life. And, and so I, I think you need to do that on, on a daily basis. And there are some of you who you'll struggle with this for a while, but, but you really need to begin to do that. Uh, another thing we need to do in this whole aspect of forgiving is that daily, and I'm going to just read this and it'll be on the screens, you need to set your will to forgive anyone who sins against you on that day. I mean, how would it be before you start the day, I'll just say, Lord, anybody that does wrong to me today, I forgive them. And then as you're driving to work, that goofball cuts you off. And your first thought is, not holy. But then you go, wait a minute, I just said I was going to forgive them. Lord, forgive them. Right? And, and so you, you just determine to do that. You make up in your mind to return evil or to return good for evil. Not evil for good, all right? That, that you're just living that way by the power of the Holy Spirit that's in you, that you are living day in and day out in that way, that you're moving it. And, and so you just, uh, in fact, why don't you, when you get home today, look up Matthew 5, and make that part of this prayer time. 
It talks about loving your enemies and doing good to those who curse you and blessing them. And as you do that, you'll begin to see the blessings of God and the great things of God coming to your life. Now, let's, let's do this as we come to a close. You need to come to that point where you are asking God day in and day out, Lord, I want you today to let me live a life of freedom. I don't want to hold anything against anybody. See, watch this. We ask in the, in the first part of this, as I was talking today, we ask to receive. Lord, I, I need my, my finances need to be met. I need some things that come into my life. The second part that I've talked about today is now I need to release some things. I need to let some things go. I need to get some things in, but I need to get some things out of my life. I need to get unforgiveness. I need to get bitterness. I need to get hatred and animosity out of my life. And you know what? If you'll begin to do that, you'll begin to see the blessings of God. I'm not a person who struggles with hate. It's just never been, again, I blow up and I blow blow in, blow up, and blow out. Right? That's just the way I live. And, uh, but I can, I remember the first person I ever hated. And some of you, that's a long list. I only think, I, I think this guy may be the only one that I can really say I hated him. And what was interesting is, is that I had gone to college to be a preacher when I met him. And from the moment I met him, I couldn't stand him. And the longer I was around him, the more I hated him. And the whole semester, I could, I, I just, he was a short, stocky guy, loud I would see him coming, and that would be something just rise. I, I mean, I'd think not holy thoughts. I didn't bless him. I'd say, oh, God, I hope he prospers and is in health, even as it's, I just, God, I don't like him. He's a jerk. He's an idiot. And those were the words I could say out loud. I mean, I just didn't, I mean, I went that way for a year. And it got worse, got worse, got worse, got worse. And so I, I went home to work before I got married the, the next summer. And, and I, I determined that when I went back to college, I was going to make this guy a friend of mine. And it was not an easy thing to do. And it really wasn't anything he was doing. It was just, well, I take that back. He was pretty goofy, but. But as, as I found myself through that summer asking God, God, i got to have help with it. I don't know why I hate him. I don't, there, there's just something that rises up in me. I began to find God changing my heart. And literally, when I went back to college the next year, he became a very good friend, and we, and we were friends throughout college. And it was just a, a situation of saying, you know what, I'm going to make a decision. Not that I'm that great, but I just decided to make a decision that I was not going to have anybody in my life that I held unforgiveness again. I want to challenge you. If you want to live a healthy life, even just psychologically healthy, but if you want to live a healthy life in the kingdom of God, learn to be a person who forgives easily. Because as you do, you'll begin to see the blessings of God come into your life.